0: Hello and welcome to uh, Critical Line, my name's Tom Rablick, thank you for joining me Um, and this is going to be a little bit different today. Um, One of the things that you will be thinking about in the current climate is when you should do what you need to do for tax and The problem that we have with that topic at the moment is that there are different points in time when the ATO does things to your online tax records to make that job easier. Now, my regular uh, tax boffin, uh, Lisa Gregg, who's a tax expert and tax trainer, uh, and I are going to explore this today because there are some tricks and traps in dealing with this. Some people want to do this more quickly. But there are risks that some information may not be updated properly with the HGO when you do it early. So Lisa Greg and I will look at this for you. Thanks for joining me, Lisa. Thanks, Tom. Now, um, assume I'm a client, I walk in, I walk in with uh, a bunch of receipts and some material to start the process of compiling the tax return. What is it that I need to think about in terms of timing for lodgement? Okay,
1: well, pretty much you've got, our year end is 30 June, which also happens to be my birthday, but that was just for me to remind you that it's my birthday on the 30th of June, Tom. Um, so, yes, uh, so after that date, That's good. Um, after that date, uh, we've basically got, uh, a period of time when we have to meet our income tax obligations as individuals that are Australian, that have Australian um, Australian citizens, Australian tax residents, or um, non-residents that have Australian sourced income or taxable Australian property, as we call it, so real property. Uh, so you've got pretty much from the 1st of July 2020 to the 15th of May 2021, if you use a tax agent. Uh, Most
0: people... That's that's an important Mm -hmm. distinction. Um, uh, If you don't use a tax agent, it is the end of October, correct?
1: Correct. 31 October if you do it yourself and you jump on MyGov and see what you can do. And then there's other time, even if you use a tax agent, depending if you've been a good tax citizen or not, um, you might have different times. But usually if you you use us, um, you've got till 15 May to do it and most of the time it's gener- it's it's usually generated by well the urgency is generated by will i get a refund or do i have to pay money so it's it's that's the drivers between both of them if you do recall Uh, This time last year there was that big tax offset of $1,000 and what was it $1,085 or something like that that people thought oh we'll get it so everyone was trying to get their tax returns done early and I've got a funny feeling we'll be in the same boat this year with a lot of people because of COVID uh, thinking that they'll get a bit of a refund back.
0: Okay, Uh The old Transport Accident Commission ads say that speed kills. Mm -hmm. Does that principle apply to uh, getting your tax return in early? Uh,
1: Well, no one ever died by not getting their tax return in, although it could cause some grief, as any financial hardship could. Uh, But you said if you were a client and you came in to me and said, here's my my, uh, receipts in a shoebox, so to speak, the old-fashioned way, Um, what I would do to start off with would be to see what the ATO know about you. Because every time you link your tax file number, which is your unique identifier that you have as soon as you decide to earn any sort of income in this country or anything like that, so most people have got it from the age of 16, 18 or so onwards, um, that unique tax file number gets linked to many, many, many different things. And where there's a link that's linked to income, And we've talked about that in this in previous podcasts, we get this thing that we refer to as a pre-fill report. So I would type into uh, my uh, tax agent portal, if you were my client, I would type in, what's Tommy's, what does the ATO know about Tommy Ravlik? And it'd pop up with all this information. Yep. So so the thing is, right, Tom, uh, is where does this information come from? How does it get in there? And how long does it take to be complete? And that's the, the difficult part. Now, there's a little note to us tax agents when we print this report off for you that says, use this as a guide. However, for a lot of things, it's more than a guide. It's sort of saying, yeah, if you if you stray from these, you know, we may ask questions. So the things that go in there, as I've talked about previously, is anything income related. Now I find that the timing of when that information comes in is critical, because we need to make sure that when we lodge a tax return, it's complete. Everything's in there. So we're relying on our clients telling us the truth, if I can call it that. Our clients remembering everything, um, and uh, being able to find some sort of substantiation evidence, saying, "Lisa, here's the bit of paper that says, you know, this is this is what I've." received or something like that so I use the pre-fill reports pretty much as a as a second guess or a starting point for the conversation it's never the ending point for a conversation it's the starting point
0: okay so we, it, the Hs prebill uh, prepopulates the various fields and then what you have is yeah you know, the other stuff that the client needs to give you now, The timeline for when the ATO fills in those boxes changes, doesn't it? Depending on what people have um, within their portfolio of income earning activity, right?
1: Exactly. So uh, I remember talking to someone, it's coming out, I think it used to be coming out of the Queensland ATO office, um, but they have relationships with all these parties. So, say the big four banks is a good one. Uh, they've got a really good relationship with the big four banks. Everything goes in. So, if you're getting interest from one of the big four banks, you're pretty sure that it's going to come in in the first week or two of July and you're pretty much sure that it is complete and accurate and all those sort of things. I mean, that's always one that gets tricky for clients because sometimes they close a bank account and it's not active and so they forget that there's a little, little cherub of interest somewhere or other that they've forgotten about. Um, so, that's a really good one. Um, and then the various stockbroking houses and clearing houses and everything load things up and just depends depending on who they are if they're a big one that's all automated digital platform type things most things come in within it's hard to say probably mid-august we're pretty much assured that we've got some lots of uh share transactions and any selling of um share uh, of div- of shares sales of shares uh sales of property go in pretty quickly as well. That's pretty good in terms of data matching. Where, where I find you miss out if you try and do your tax return a little bit too early in terms of checks and balances is your manage funds. So if you're using, if you're you've got an investment in any sort of stable security, or some sort of managed investment trust or something like that, usually they don't get their tax distribution statements, as we call it, um, really ready until late September, pretty much, maybe maybe end August. So then that has to come in, and that's one that can be really tricky because those of the listeners out there that don't that do have investments in these sort of vehicles. You get this tax statement every year, and it says, you know, put this number into 13A and put this number into 18A, and it tells you where to put everything in terms of foreign income, uh, capital gains, franking credit offsets, foreign income tax offsets. So it is quite a complex part of the tax legislation, and even Well, us us accountants, us tax agents, we either rely on the pre-fill or we physically want to see that report. Um, Some some have listed investment um, vehicles and sometimes there's a deduction that I can take. And so I've physically got to see that bit of paper to know if there's a deduction there because as we've talked previously as well, the prefill is pretty much income, not deductions. But in some of these MITs or managed investment trusts, uh, there's deductions that are available to our clients as well. So I would say it depends on the sophistication. I mean, one thing we haven't chatted on is um, single touch payroll as well. Single touch payroll needs to be finalised by a certain date. And that's when uh, you basically get your group certificate, the old fashioned term group certificate, which is what you received in the old days. Um, it's it has to be finalised for us to be able to lodge the return. And the finalisation is for this year, I think it's the 14th of July. It could be the 21st of July. They keep moving the goalposts and then COVID adds on top of it. But it's basically you can't do your tax return until your employer has done their finalisation. And the finalisation is not going to happen 1 July.
0: Okay, if we get, if we look at it, In terms of timeline, your payment summary, which is the old, which is what we would... Oh, no, we call it an income
1: statement now, Tom. So group certificate went to payment summary and now it's called income statement in SCP land. Don't you love it when they change the names?
0: That's oh, okay. Somebody's got a Dymo labeler in labeler in, uh, in treasury and away in the way they go. At least it wasn't but, called my
1: pay ID or something unique like that. <laughs> Paykeeper. Uh, I don't know. I'm just joking.
0: Oh uh, well, no. <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at today's announcement of to, uh, yeah renovation rescue by Scott Morrison, and I'm wondering was that why... Scott
1: Morrison or Scott Cam? Tom. No, sorry. I'm just being silly now.
0: Uh, I well, well <laughs> we did it, yeah, well two Scots walk into a bar. Um, and have a beer for the country, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's that too. We might mention. It wasn't a curry; curry it couch. was
1: a beer, Tom.
0: A of, yes, it was a beer. Um, have a Corona for the curry. Oh, have We can't corona call Corona the now.
1: They've had a very. They've had an identity crisis. Yes. Okay. That, Sorry. Continue fine, on. I'm, what are we talking I'm, about?
0: We, well, in July is when. Um, some people might be tempted to try yeah. and do their return. Is it more prudent for people, Lisa, to, to wait until, uh, until August, early September?
1: Well, you've got to think about what the implications are. And probably a lot of listeners out there, or maybe um, they do know, but you can amend tax returns. So you can lodge a tax return and you can amend it or the ATA can force you to amend it, so it's interesting to see, you know, where where the uh, discrepancies lie. Uh, so what I would say is, you need to sign your return and we need to sign your return if you're doing it through a tax agent, saying it's true and correct and complete and all those things that we sign when we sign a declaration. We also make individuals, if we're we're preparing their tax return as tax agents, say that they've made a substantiation declaration that they hold all the receipts, they'll hold all the receipts for five years, et cetera, et cetera. So if our client puts their hand on their heart and says, yes, everything's there, Lisa, you can lodge... um, you know, I've got all the extra things besides pre-fill. Um, I won't lodge before the STP or say so their income statements are complete. But you know, if they've said, "I've here's everything," you know, go ahead and do it. Um, we can lodge. Now, what can happen, and it happens to some of my clients as well, is that all of a sudden they find a trust distribution that they didn't know they were going to get, and all of a sudden, you know, we've we've done their return and say. September, October, and all of a sudden they find a trust distribution that they didn't realise, you know, they were presently entitled to until, you know, the the grandmother's trust basically gave them the distribution statement when when their accountant got around to doing their tax return. So, in that case, um, more incomes come in, so we're obliged to lodge an amendment. So, we can proactively lodge that amendment. If that amendment means that uh, you need to pay more tax, you need to pay more tax okay? Um, There's usually no penalties for that if you identify it. Where the issue can come the other way is if all of a sudden you've lodged too early, there's a heap more um, information that comes through on the pre-fill in terms of assessable income. The ATO look at that and go, hmm, let's let our data matching work, um, saying that it does work, um, that there's uh, more taxable income, therefore more tax that the ATO think that you need to pay. If they instigate an amendment, which they're allowed to do, that's when there's a potential for fees and penalties and charges, and even things like did you have a flagrant disregard for the tax law? Did you recklessly prepare your tax return? All these things come into play, and the penalties can up to can be up to a hundred percent of the tax debt, right? Depending on how reckless uh, the taxpayers been in preparing that return. So, they're the sort of the pros and cons of it all. So, yes, you can uh, prematurely, if I can call it that, lodge your tax return. However, if anything comes to mind that you've missed out on, you're obliged to then amend your tax return and if you use a tax agent like, like me, I'll probably be charging you pretty much to do your tax return again when you come to me and say, hey, Lisa, I've forgotten something. Can you please put, put it in? So there's sort of the implications, Tom, out there.
0: So it's probably better for people to plan on lodging their return later rather than sooner so they avoid any kind of complications with other income that may pop up.
1: Yeah, so you've got to look at it. Look, I would say that, you know, with pretty vanilla sort of tax returns, maybe a little bit of dividends, some interest, you're a salary and wage earner, uh, you're pretty safe based on the pre-lodge and your records uh, to lodge by... Mid August in August is sort of where I would say you're pretty much certain that you've captured everything that could potentially be out there. So that's what I would be be looking at the right sort of uh, you know timing of it all. I look, there's going to be people that will want to lodge mid July or in July or everything like that, but you're taking the risk. Um, and the thing that you've got to think about this year as well is last year everyone wanted, one, wanted the one thousand eighty five. offset, right? Because they thought, oh, this is what we're going to get. And of course, not everyone got it. It's always one of those marketing ploys by um, Treasury and the the government that do things as we now know with COVID stimulus packages. Uh, This year, what you might find is that if people have been stood down third week in March because of COVID, and they've been on a good salary, let me put it that way, what happens is when you get paid Salary from your employer, you don't get your gross salary, you get your net salary, and what comes out of that is pay as you go withholding. So, your employer is obliged to withhold some tax that they remit with their business activity statement on your behalf to the ATO. So, you know, arbitrarily saying for you know, you earn a hundred dollars. Maybe there'll be thirty dollars that they'll withhold, um, and you only get seventy dollars. So when you go to the auto teller, the money you pull out from your from your salary, or actually you tap and go now, don't you? We don't even deal with real currency anymore. Um, it's 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 basically got the tax taken out. Now, if that tax was taken out as if you kept earning good salary from the last week in March all the way to June, and you haven't received any other income, so you haven't received keeper or or, or seeker. Uh, there's a fair chance that the pay as you go withholding is too much because you haven't earned any money for what we're talking about 13, 14 weeks or something out of out of the 52. So there's a, so you'll be getting some sort of amount back. And these are probably people if they're not getting any benefits out of the stimulus packages, they'll be wanting the money to live off to put the money back into the economy. So this is where I can see that we will be in a dilemma, you know, come first week, second week in July, with those sort of people wanting to get their tax returns done. And I'm sure that the ITPs and the H&R blocks will be inundated with those sort of people um, that basically do tax returns, you know, like drenching sheep as they go through 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 um, a
0: farm. <laughs> okay. So you've got the um, the real prospect that there are people who um, are on a particular tax rate, which is what we're talking about, because of their, the income that they would have normally earned mm-hmm. uh, in a period if COVID-19 hadn't made its way in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, their income drops as a result of a cease of operations or a scaling down, Um, and as such, you know, they might have paid too much tax, not for any other reason other than, you know, the guillotine came down in Mm, March and the balance of the year had them earning considerably less or nothing at all.
1: Yeah, that's right. And then you'll have other people on the other scheme of things where all of a sudden the bottom's fallen out of their investment portfolio. So say you've got high net wealth or reasonably wealthy individuals that uh, receive a, a significant amount of interest income, and we know that interest are at all-time lows, or uh, dividend income and the dividends are not being paid, you know, like the Qantas dividends being, being held back and things like that, that if there's no pay you go withholding coming out of those amounts of money, Okay, there's some frank dividends and th- there's some franking credits in the dividend, but interest doesn't have any withholding if you're an Australian resident. What you what happens then is you pay this quarterly pay as you go instalment. So if you're an individual, there's two ways that you can progressively pay your tax. One is through the pay as you go withholding system that your employer. Um, takes out if your salary and remits to the ATO on your behalf but also for the other types of investment, in, investment income the ATO determine uh, that what we call a pay-as-you-go instalment rate and then you pay that every quarter as well. So you could also have clients or you know taxpayers out there that are listening that are, have got high pay-as-you-go instalments every quarter which due to COVID, they've said we can waiver, but of course we might have only been able to waiver one, not out of the whole four for the year, um, where they're expecting to get a refund of that pay that, that tax they've paid in advance. For those of you that are old fashioned as well, it's the old provisional tax. So the old provisional tax is now pay, called a pay-as-you-go instalment. And that's another way that people will say, oh, that's holding my money, can I get it out as quickly as possible? the real concern for me with those is that they're going to be more sophisticated taxpayers with more sophisticated income streams. And I'm going to be waiting a little bit longer to basically uh, check and balance and reconcile the pre-fill with the information they provide to me because their tax affairs are more complex. And unless they're holding really good records and most clients don't do that, you know, we have to prompt them most of the time that, uh, I'd be waiting a little bit longer to lodge their returns if that's the case. So most of the time with my, if you want to look at the tax returns that I do in my practice, I rarely do any in July. They still just start coming through end August, pretty much end September. I've probably done half of them. And then you have the little recalcitrants that I'm chasing up for 15 May lodgement as well. And then there'll be a few that you do from you know Christmas when it's quiet and maybe they've got time to just work out what's happening with say a rental property expenses or they've done repairs on a rental property they've got their affairs in order during school holidays when they've been off at Christmas time and sort them out so you know you may say you know 50% are done by September you'd probably you're probably chasing up the recalcitrants of about 30% in that May period and the rest are sort of done from January onwards so that's usually what happens and um, probably i I don't know the stats for mine at the moment, but amended returns—I'm probably down at the five or ten percent of returns that I lodge. You know, just because someone's found this long-lost relative's trust distribution that's come through—you know, first of May sort of thing.
0: Okay, now, but I guess to take out for the listeners is have a look at your have a look at your circumstances. Uh, if you believe there's nothing else that you've got. Uh, then you may be able to do your return in July but be be aware that things might change or alternatively hold off uh, for late August or September. Then you're assured that, generally speaking, the ATA information that is held um, about you is going to be largely complete.
1: Yeah, that's right, Tom. And I'd just like to say that, you know, when we, everyone, yourself, uh, um, clients doing things through MyGov or lodging through ourselves, we're more than happy to do it as early as possible for you. But what the caution I would say is that if you have accidentally omitted a piece of income, make sure you you arrange to have that tax return amended ASAP because you're going to have a lot better result if you initiate it instead of the ATO initiating it.
0: Uh, That's a good point to, to close off that part of the segment. The one thing I briefly wanted to cover because we've been monitoring it and talking about it a fair bit is that the Treasurer... Um Josh Brandenburg has announced that there might be some adjustments to the JobKeeper scheme towards the end of July. Uh, what are we hearing at the moment, Lisa?
1: Just that, Tom. I think that's the, that's the sort of uh, the carrot that's out there saying, oh, we're going to do a review. And if we're going to do a review, is there going to be any changes? Um, you know, we are just... For those of you out there that are listening, we are do- we're currently in the week of doing our May declarations. So what that does is we need to send a form into the ATO to basically tell them the employees that we're claiming on JobKeeper what the GST turnover is for the month of May, what we project it to be for June. And when we lodge that, it will release the reimbursement of the JobKeeper payments to the employers. So that's what we're at at the moment. And I felt like we're just at the stage of under control. Nothing's changing, you know, based on our previous podcast as well, Tom, we've still got no line of sight on anything. We can't save the forms. We can only have one chance to print it. After that, it goes into the ATL Ether. Um, I must say that all the ATL officers have been very helpful and cooperative in asking uh, when requesting additional information of, of the line of sight that we can't see. Um, so that's where we're at. So we're sort of, I was sort of hoping that with JK, we're sort of just in the in the calm before the storm. Maybe maybe I'm being a little bit naive, and then uh, this is coming out just earmarking. Okay. The,
0: the the very real question is the announcements happened. Um, In the past little while, have you had anybody ring you and say, what does it mean yet?
1: No, I think everyone's just breathing at the moment. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I think most of my clients now, I've just been checking up with them over the past few days, um, they're pretty much back, even in beautiful Victoria, the city that's that's a bit slower to uh, defrost. Uh, Most of my clients have started back, so they're starting to rebuild their business. And that's what's on their game now. They think JobKeeper's all happening. Um, They're getting ready to uh, build their business and they just want to get back to the new normal. And that's what they're focused on now. So yes, luckily I haven't had any questions that way because everyone's going back. So I'm just going to wait, Tom, see what happens. I'm hoping given that the... um, the counting error, I'm now calling it the counting error, not the a-counting error. I think it was a counting error. The counting error of six, six million down to three and a half, uh, which was the best estimate. And I did enjoy your previous podcast with Richard Dennis. I found that quite entertaining. Um, that um, if the counting error was, was, was that off, hopefully they're not taking it away. They're adding back. That's what I want to hear so uh, we'll see how it goes. but yeah, all my clients are now concentrating on generating real cash instead of getting reimbursements and wage subsidies.
0: Okay, Lisa, that's a really good point at which to wind up today's discussion about when you should lodge your tax return in terms of timing, as well as a brief update on keepers. So thanks for joining me again this week.
1: Excellent, Tom. Thank you so much. I've been enjoying our uh, weekly chats. Hopefully, we'll uh, get more and more information out to our our listeners as we go, but uh, excellent. Thank you. Most
0: most, most definitely, and if anybody wants to contact you online, what is the website for your firm?
1: Oh, my firm. Yes, Perigee Advisors, P-E-R-I-G-E-E, Advisors with an E. Um, or you can just um, message me through my Twitter account, which is at austaxa Thanks,
0: Tom. Not a problem. Thanks for joining me. And to the listeners, stay safe and look after each other.